0: I think we're good. You okay. think
1: we're
0: good? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we're good.
1: No, I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> it's Mercury, right? You're Talking about England <laughs> <laughs> We are talking about England tonight, and there goes the birthday boy again. That so we Nico. showing off. Yeah. All <sighs> right. So. Hi. How's it going, folks? We were competing with the Met Gala. See, so, oh, uh, that's nice. Tonight, that's very nice. That's well, so what's m- the coronation.
1: <laughs> that's Saturday, right? The so Saturday. That I don't
0: not know. Do they know?
1: Oh, that's a Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, is Saturday. I don't know. Oh,
0: But anyway, so yeah. So happy Monday. Happy May Day. May Day. Happy Beltane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We hit it all. Did We up, just over five today. In and I should have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that fireplace doesn't work behind us. I I jump I jumped over a candle. It um it can. Yeah, it's a flame. Mm-hmm. With everything else going on, I I don't necessarily trust
1: myself to not. I had smoke fall in into. the kitchen, so you know you that did, counts, right? You did have smoke in the kitchen. That Hi, counts. Patrick. <laughs> uh, anyway, we won't get into that. But yep, we have a lot going on. Kind of, sort of. I mean, tours going on. And, uh, yeah,
0: we had a private tour book today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, amazing, uh, Z is out handling that and actually should be wrapping that up pretty much right now.
0: And, uh,
1: I think they finished inside Patrick Henry's Mm -hmm. because they, they they were, they were looking forward to a cocktail. And, uh, so I think we rerouted it for them to actually go back to Patrick Henry's and finish there with a cocktail inside, Mm
0: -hmm. so. Yeah. And yeah. Alex and Baby are watching Baby Charlie, is it? Clark. Clark, Baby Clark. I will remember yeah. this soon.
1: It takes a few nights. Yeah, so. Sir,
0: do not harass your sister. His <laughs> uh, <laughs> whole face. <laughs>
1: are you going to stop me? Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, Excuse me. So, but anyway,
1: so yeah, the, the cats are being cats. And um, so tours been going on. Still doing tours Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Uh, this coming Thursday, if you want to get out for something on the free side, at least uh, no no cover charge, so to speak, you can join. Um, go May the fifth. May the fifth. You okay. can go to uh, Rich Brow and uh, catch some Star Wars trivia. So you know yeah. you want to go. So that'll be a fun. It'll be a fun time. Yes. But yeah. Other than that, I mean, it's been kind of low
0: key, kind of.
1: Kind of trying to. A whole lot of stuff that y'all don't need to know about. We know that you tuned in to learn, you know, learn, hear about stories so from haunted
0: England. Yeah.
1: So that's what we have for you tonight. And uh,
0: did you want to play the festival?
1: Which, oh, 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 oh
0: yes. And um, Mother's, is that Mother's Day? No. Oh, no. Day, Day before 4th. Mother's Day. Day Before is Mother's Day. So May it's 13th. May 13th. Um, Churchill Spring Fest. Yes. Is that Libby Park?
1: or Libby, Libby Hill Park. Libby yeah. Hill
0: Park. Um, we will have a uh, tent, and Zoe will be running it, so there's lots of fun uh, spooky merchandise that you can purchase, including some pride stuff that I built. Oh, i pride stuff. Yep. I have too much on my wrist to
1: figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, so, we'll figure that out later. But, and we are already confirmed we will be uh, at if, Nightmare Weekend. At Nightmare Weekend. That's a ways out, but it's going to be uh, October 13th, 14th, and 15th, the same folks that run Richmond Galaxy Con are coming back for Nightmare Weekend, and we are going to have a vendor booth there, and we're going to be presenting a few times. So if you want to go ahead and mark that out on your calendars, we got that coming up, too. We can do that. There's a whole lot of stuff between now and then, too, and we'll fill you in along the way. But yeah, in the meantime, yes, well, very it's England. Now, very, very, right off the top, we'll mention this is not London we done that. London is part of England. Yes, we realize that. There's a whole lot of spooky stuff there, but we're not talking about London at all tonight, because number one, yes, we have already done a haunted London. We specifically did it around London transportation, so a lot of tube stations and stuff like that.
0: So we also hit
1: it in castles. Yeah, yeah. and Oh, yeah. We, we've talked about, yeah. So um, We've talked about London a couple times, and I'm sure with the amount of stuff that they have there, we will come back and revisit London more in future shows, but Tonight is about uh, all, Other places all, in the, all the history. places in England. So just one, I will put that up. there. What? Uh, okay, Actually, so York did not. make York? I it know. How very dangerous yeah, are you? I, I, <laughs> it's <laughs> going to be its own.
0: Okay, yeah, that, York, I guess that makes sense. The most nice York
1: qualifies for its own show. Yeah, I so. agree.
0: I agree. York is a very special place. I mean, yeah, yes, so
1: there's a, there's a lot,
0: lot of stuff.
1: I mean, England's. It's England, old. England's old. It's super haunted. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about some really old stuff tonight.
0: And there's a fun mixture of road haunting, puppy haunting. Yes, Patrick, that one's for you. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, be careful with these puppies. Yeah. Oh wait, or is that next been, week's show?
0: That might, that, be, next that might week. be
1: next week's show. So these
0: puppies are okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. You want to you want to take it off the top? All right. So England is a small but highly varied country with global impact over the last several centuries that we can't you know overstate. But as the cornerstone of the United Kingdom, it has long sported the title of the Empire of, excuse me, Empire on which the sun never sets. While the global power has waned in recent decades, England is still a well-established country that punches above its weight. It is the center of the capital, excuse me, at its center is the capital of London, a renowned city of the arts, culture, architecture, and history, and royal coronation this weekend. We have taken a hard look at the holiday of London before, explored in our haunted London transportation on January 3rd of 2022. Yeah, 16 months ago. Yep. But, of course, it's not going to be the last time we're going to talk about London, but we're going to talk about the rest of the country because they deserve their due as well. So let's start with the Dumpstable Hitchhike Club. This is in the Midlands, which, of course, is in Central England. The region hosts many of the stereotypical features that people think of when they are talking about England outside of major cities, rolling hills, fields of grain, cattle and sheep, small town with deep historic roots. And at night between these towns, the countryside is dark and the stories of the spirits run rampant. However, late in the evening on October 12th of 1979, the spirits were not at the forefront of Roy Fulton's mind, he was, of course, from the town of Dunstable, and he was driving home after a game of darts at a pub in the neighboring town of Buzzard. Yes, and, Leighton Buzzard. Buzzard. Leighton Buzzard. That's a fun name. These and it's really it, names over there. Yeah. Oh, it's normally got good names too. Right? They do. So, on an isolated stretch of Station Road, Roy found a young man looking for a lift. Roy was in a good mood and a judge one at this point in time in the evening. He was basking in the glow of the dark skin that he had enjoyed with his friends and the prospect of Liverpool match that would be the following day. So he came to a stop and gave the young man a chance to catch up. The young man was casually dressed in dark trousers, a jumper, and wore a white colored shirt. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary. The man opened the passenger door and got in, and when he was asked where he wanted to go, his only response was to, points further down the road. Okay. Unbeterred by the silence, Holton continued his way down the misty road and his new passenger quietly in tow. After a few minutes, Fulton tried to make small talk, but his passenger's silence couldn't be broken. Well, certainly odd, he wasn't unconcerned. The young man was odd, and he seemed harmless enough. Eventually, Fulton decided to offer the youth a cigarette. At this point, where the warning lights suddenly started to flash in his head. He leaned forward to grab that pack of cigarettes, but when he turned to offer one to the young man, he was gone. Fulton quickly brought the van to a stop, turned on the interior light, and looked into the back, thinking that the young man must have somehow clambered into the back without being noticed. But the young man wasn't there. At no point had Fulton stopped the van, and the young man certainly had not opened the door and thrown himself in the vehicle. The young man was just gone. Fulton was completely alone. Fulton was terrified. He drove in a panic to his local pub, the Gilder, and Dunstable. He burst in and started stuttering about his experience with the owner, Bill Stone, and a group of local regulars. Now, while the story was bizarre, Roy's story was taken seriously. He was a respected and well-liked member of the community, not someone who was prone to pranks or hallucinations. In fact, Fulton's story was considered credible enough that it was covered by the national newspapers. Fulton was later interviewed by writer and researcher Michael Gross in 1985, and he took part of the respective television documentary series, Arthur C. Clarke's World of Strange Colors. On both occasions, he told the same story without any deviations or embellishments. That one night in October 1979, he took a ghost for a ride. And years since then, the story has resurfaced across the UK in various forms, but it never in such a simple and chilling way as the way that Dunstan's tale was told. Many countries have diverse and wide, parts and wide apart as Sweden, Pakistan, Canada, Korea, and South Africa all have their own individual and specific phantom hitchhiker tales. But the experience of the Breakfast Show motorist Roy Fulton ranks as one of the most compelling and thought-provoking of them all. Are we having issues? Yeah,
1: I needed something under my glass.
0: I uh, needed a
1: coaster, but the coasters that were all here seemed to be MIA.
0: Oh, uh, that would be the, the cats. Cat.
1: That would be the cats, exactly. My cats
0: coasters, too. Yep. They just knock them off.
1: Probably on the floor or something out of sight, out of mind. But in any case, <laughs> moving along now. This is this is one of my favorite stories. From
0: the so <laughs> this is your story, Patrick. Yeah.
1: So in 1902, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle published a story that stood out even amongst his renowned Sherlock Holmes series of books. This novel featured the legend of a curse, an attempted murder, and a diabolical canine of supernatural origin. We are, of course, referring to The Hound of the Baskervilles. (laughs) While Doyle's mystery novel was a work of fiction from start to finish with a less than supernatural solution, tales of phantom hounds have been told across England for generations. One of these tales comes from the northern reaches of England in Yorkshire from an apple farmer by the name of Ames. Ames had always had a tree in his orchard that struggled to provide healthy fruit. Before becoming ripe enough to harvest, the apples on this tree would wither and rot, frustrating and puzzling Ames to no end. One day, Ames was chatting with his friend Charles when he started to hear a snarling sound as if a group of dogs were getting ready to attack. Ames only had one dog on the farm, and it was nowhere in sight at the time. He was relieved to realize that Charles could hear the snarling as well, though that didn't help to answer the question of where the snarling was coming from. The two men followed the sound and led them to the troublesome withering tree. As the tree came into view, the men were faced with a stunning sight. The misty figure of a man in black and green riding apparel was backed up to the tree, his arms flailing about as if he were fending off some attacking hounds. While no hounds could be seen, the growling continued and the man continued to flail about. Unsure what to say or do, the two men watched as the man in green and black gradually faded away, along with the sounds of the growling hounds. Ames was curious as he was frightened. Uh, was as curious as he was frightened about the encounter, so he started to do a little digging into the farm's history. Ames had bought the farm with little consideration of the numerous generations of other owners who had come before him, <laughs> and one of the first things that jumped out at him was that there was a history of dogs on the farm, particularly a pack of, pack of wolf hounds that were, uh, excuse me, fox hounds. Fox hounds. hounds. Yep. They were kept there in the 1880s. The man who bought the, uh, brought them to the farm was a master huntsman who loved the hounds and treated them kindly. Unfortunately, the huntsman died in an accident, and the dogs long mourned his passing. As tragic as the huntsman's death was for the dogs, their fate was about to get worse. Another man stepped in to buy the farm, and the deal included the foxhounds and the sale. This new owner was drastically different from his predecessor. He was a cruel being that abused everyone and everything when he had too much to drink. He would beat the foxhounds and feed them sparingly. Eventually, the foxhounds had enough. They attacked the cruel man, chasing him into the apple orchard. They cornered him against a tree and tore him to bloody shreds. The man's blood soaked the ground, poisoning the soil with the blackness of his soul. From that day forward, the tree would only produce wilted fruit. While Ames was doing his research, the sound of the growling hounds returned night after night at the same time. Ames' heart hurt for the fate of the foxhounds that were treated so badly, but he wasn't sure what he could do himself. He reached out to a friend with a penchant for the paranormal, Lieutenant Colonel Lowe. Ames explained the experience and the history with Lowe, and Lowe developed an idea to peacefully draw the foxhounds away from the withering tree. Lowe advised Ames to find a living huntsman with a reputation for treating his hounds well and bring him to the farm with his hunting horn when the haunting was active. Ames asked around in the farming community, and he was referred to a huntsman named Perkins. When Ames explained what he wanted the per- Perkins to do, the huntsman was incredulous. But Ames was persistent and seemed honest enough. Perkins agreed to come to Ames' apple farm that evening and do wait for the ghostly hound. As the growling of the foxhounds started for another evening, Perkins was initially amused. He had convinced himself that this was all a grand prank. Ames led the huntsman into the orchard towards the wilting tree and the growling and baying hounds. As they got close to the tree, Perkins expected to see the hounds. Instead, he grew increasingly puzzled and frustrated. He drew his hunting whip from his waist, gave it a crack, and called to the dog. Perkins and Ames listened as the baying continued and the sound of several paws pattered across the ground from the tree to the two men. Still, no visible dogs. At a lack of words or any other ideas of what to do, Perkins drew his hunting horn and blew the call to return home. The baying immediately stopped, leaving the two men alone and in silence. From that day forward, the hounds rested. And they have never been heard again at Ames's apple farm. I
0: see that he wants a laugh. That mine is full. <laughs> you <laughs> learned to find that. Yeah, he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> there we go. We got <laughs> voids. Yes, we do. Thank you. Please don't jump over your bubble. <laughs> <laughs> you could have climbed over into the Lee's lap. Yes, you could have. <laughs> You don't have to take the log hard Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> Did you love how they just, like, disappear on the camera? They do. Yep. It's like I have a big black blob. The void. And they... Occasionally you see a collar, which lets you know it's not me. <laughs> yeah, they they just, like, both appeared when you guys started talking about dogs. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I was like, you may not speak of that. <laughs> All right, so we're going to pop over to uh, Marlowe and the Grey Lady of Bisham Abbey. I like
1: Marlowe. <laughs> the guy's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, not really that Marlowe, but Marlowe, yeah, I know what you mean.
0: So I back, back in central England along the southern edge of the county of Buckinghamshire, stands the town of Marlowe on the north bank of the River Thames. Now just across the river stands a beautiful manor house known as uh, Bisham Abbey, excuse me. The house was built in the mid-1200s to members of the Knights Templar, but after the suppression of the Templars in the early 1300s, the home went to the series of ownership changes and was used for multiple purposes. Queen Elizabeth of Scots was combined here uh, for a time during the Scottish Wars of Succession, and in 1337, the first Earl of Salisbury attempted to make the site a religious center with the construction of Bisham Priory next door. Now, the Priory never became the big pilgrim site that the earl had hoped for. The monks did actually live there until King Henry VIII dissolved the monasteries in 1530s. Legend says that the monks were very displeased to be evicted from their home, so they cursed the abbey and anyone who would dare to purchase the home that they had been deprived of. The abbot's exact words were said to be, as God is my witness, this property shall never be inherited by two direct successors, for its sons will be hounded by misfortune. Seems the words actually carried some weight, as nothing remains of the religious building today, and the manor house has inherited the same name as Bersham Abbey. First or not, the abbey has a long history, as an eerie atmosphere, and of course, rumored to be haunted. On a walk around the abbey, one will find ancient flags, portraits of long-dead individuals adorning the walls, and in the great hall, a portrait of Dame Elizabeth Hobie can be found in its sports, a closer look, because if you haven't seen her wandering the property, you're probably going to cross paths with her. She is known as the Grey Lady of Bishop Abbey. And just say that too small to read. Over the years, there have been many, many sightings of the gray lady. It's a local story told about a woman who was a sergeant in the Women's Auxiliary Air Force during World War II, working mainly as a telephone operator. This a practical woman with no time for ghostly tales. She worked a graveyard shift and would need to walk through the abbey to get to her workstation. On her walk, she would glance out the w- abbey windows, watching the moonlit reflect on the nearby river Thames. One night, she noticed out of the corner of her eye that a mist was rolling in over the abbey ground. Didn't think too much of it at first, but another girl who was working the shift with her that night kept watching the mist roll in and thicken. When the girl gasped and pointed out the window, the practical sergeant could no longer ignore what was happening outside. The mist had taken on a form, and it was slowly gliding by the windows. It was the shape of a ghostly woman with her arms extended out in front of her, and the gray lady slowly drifted across the fields before fading away. The sergeant was shaken to her core. Her practical mind couldn't deny what she had seen, and when she was asked about what she had seen that night, she'd get a faraway look on her eyes as she said, We saw something that night, and it made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I don't believe in ghosts. But at that moment, I wanted to walk out the door and get a strong drink. Here's to that woman. <laughs> the sergeant was far from the first person to speak of her encounter with the gray lady. She has appeared many times over the years. But out of the Abbey's long history and the many people who have seen her, what makes people think that this might be her spirit? Well, in the 1500s, Elizabeth Holby was a highly respected member of Queen Elizabeth's court. She was known for her poetry, for her musical talent. And in 1558, she married Thomas Hovey of Risham Abbey. Thomas was a noted translator. and In 1566, he was knighted and became the English ambassador to France. The couple moved to Paris, but sadly, Thomas died shortly afterwards. In the eight years that they were married, Elizabeth had four children, two girls who died in childhood and two sons named Edward and Thomas. Later, she married for the second time to Lord John Rushwell. Elizabeth had two more daughters during this marriage named Elizabeth and Anne. It's during Elizabeth's second marriage that the family records get a little fuzzy. In addition to her two daughters, there are rumors that state she may have had another son named William. Elizabeth wanted all of her children to become successful, and Elizabeth was angry because William struggled to read and write to her standards. It was said that she struck her son in a fit of anger, and he died as a result. While William is missing from the official family genealogy, it doesn't mean he didn't exist. This whole story could be considered a chapter of the family history that they considered best forgotten for all those centuries ago. Despite being the one who caused her son's death, Elizabeth was said to be full of grief and remorse for the rest of her life. She may have also been unable to find the rest after her death in 1609, becoming the Grey Lady of Bisham Abbey. Some of those who have encountered her spirit report that she has been weeping and wailing and desperately trying to scrub the blood of her son from her hands. Mm. Sounds like the... Sh- it sounds very familiar. I heard that for sure. The play that not the no, name. Yes, we will not name that play. And another encounter in the late eight, uh, 19th century, Admiral, Admiral, there we go, Edward Van Sittard, okay, yep. r- reported that he came face-to-face with the famous ghost. He was playing chess with his brother one night
1: and it was very late in the
0: evening. And of course, this is where the portrait is hanging. And when the game was finished, his brother decided to retire to bed. Edward lingered in the room a while longer with his back to the portrait, but so he soon felt that he was no longer alone. Expecting to turn around and find his brother had returned for some reason, he was shocked to see Dame Elizabeth standing there. He quickly glanced past her shoulder and was horrified to see if her portrait frame stood empty on the wall. He fled from the room, only returned the following day to find everything back the way it should have been. I
1: love it when ghosts step out of their paintings.
0: Yeah,
1: it's, <laughs> it's, it's a little cliche, but, but I it's love fine. it.
0: I love it. <laughs> Another sighting occurred alongside the annual summer regatta on the uh, event on the Thames River. Now, as with many of the regatta events, Fisham Abbey was crowded with visitors getting ready. One young man decided he was going to stay the night in the Abbey Library, but his sleep didn't go undisturbed. During the night, he felt somebody touching his hair, and he woke up to find himself face-to-face with Dame Elizabeth. Softly, she spoke these words to the terrified boy. Young man, if I touch thee, thou will be bold. (laughs) I'm willing to... uh,
1: threatening to be made bald or... I I, I I do not have a good bald head. Okay. I, I know this for a fact.
0: Yeah, you not, you I, have shaved your head. I now. have. I have. It's
1: been 20 years and it, I will do whatever I can do. Never have to do it again. Got it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> she wants to... Oh, pictures?
0: <laughs> I don't know if we have any. I don't know.
1: I mean, this was back before the digital era, so I'd have to find some actual, like,
0: Dark Ages. The Stone Ages. I would have been eight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh. <laughs> not bad, but I was feeling old already. It I just, <laughs> down, cough, cough. Yeah. I love Agent Marsha all the time. <laughs> just, Marcia's four years old. You <laughs> no will forever be. Yeah.
1: I have. I also, I did bleach my hair. doesn't be the one anymore.
0: The portrait of Dame Elizabeth, and the girl immediately recognizes as the woman who intruded into her room. Cheering on! on!
1: <laughs> that one was kind of a little bit of an abrupt end. It was. <laughs> it was. So I, I did not do a very good like, job.
0: of there an it's like an inside joke here? I'm not <laughs> No,
1: no, there was. not Yeah, sorry that that was a. Uh... I guess you could say a mis-edit on my part.
0: Sometimes it's ah, so hard
1: to be the first
0: It is. He, he's been so much trouble today. <laughs> so much trouble today. Well,
1: no, not really much different than the other day.
0: No. <laughs> he just thinks he's going to get away with it today.
1: He's not. Hey, if you are over 30, you are not old. You are a dinosaur.
0: Patrick. <laughs> I love Mr. Red. Mr. Rath. <laughs> I'm a unicorn, Patrick. Get it right. That, that is what I tell
1: all the kids these days. They call me old. I am a dinosaur. Okay. All right. Okay.
0: She's good, rare, by the way. She's <laughs> rare.
1: Proceed to tell them how hard it was taming saber-toothed tired. I can accept this. <laughs> I can. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I'm a unicorn. Oh, when I'm not a unicorn, I'm a dragon. Oh, <laughs> cheers. Cheers. I would get my drink but then I'd smush a Vincent. Free the rest. Yep. Sorry, Patrick. I I know.
1: <laughs> I, oh Anyway, so all right. There might
0: be a slight bit of punchiness today. Just a smidge. It's okay.
1: It's all good. But uh, yeah, so we're gonna we will move along to our next general location. I say general location because we are going to a region with several haunted locations. In the north of England, in the Lake District, the county of Cumbria is home to the highest peaks and deepest lakes in England. It's also the location of several manor houses which have acquired a reputation for otherworldly phenomena. Kendall, along the River Kent, we have historic Levens Hall. Originally consisting of a tower built in thirteen fifty to defend the border against the Scottish Raiders, Levins Hall expanded through the Elizabethan era to become the landmark manor home that it is today. Many families have called Levin's Hall home over the centuries, but some of the residents there have taken up a more permanent residence over the years, whether they were invited in or not. The most notable of which is known as the Grey Lady. Yes, we have another
0: lot of grey ladies in England by the way. Yes. They're all over the place. Why aren't they evergreen? Good question. Mm-hmm. Might be the filter. Mm. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a it's a color filter. Yep. Yeah, so the story of the gray lady starts in the 1700s. A starving,
1: <laughs> a starving gypsy woman came across Levin's Hall and stopped to beg some relief for her empty stomach. Instead of providing the woman with even so much as some scraps, she was spitefully turned away, empty-handed. Wait, this doesn't end well. As she <laughs> succumbs to her hunger, the gypsy, <laughs> the gypsy woman uttered a curse, stating there that the is. hall will never go from father to son until a white fawn is born in the park and the river Kent freezes over.
0: Actually, ah! I squirrelled out a white fawn. Does that count?
1: You digress. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's one. Oh. Uh, anyway. <laughs>
1: time Levens Hall had a herd of black Norwegian fallow deer. It was nearly two centuries later in 1896 that a little white fawn was born into the herd at a time when the River Kent was frozen over. This was the time when Alan Desmond Baggett was born to the Baggett family that resided at Levens Hall. While the curse may have been broken, it's said that male heirs to Levens Hall are still only born when the weather is freezing. It also seems that the gypsy woman is not done with Levins Hall as she now wanders the corridors of the Great Manor and is sometimes seen on the nearby bridge covering the river uh, yeah, covering the river Kent as the Grey Lady. Anytime someone tries to interact with the spirit, she mysteriously disappears. So, but we saw the we saw the albino squirrel. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh. I want show
1: Okay, yeah. Well, that was yesterday. Oh, oh, um, yesterday. <laughs> Uh, like what? what, what is it? There was there's an <laughs> no albino no
0: squirrel in the
1: neighborhood, and for some reason the white white deer. I the, know why. The, Thank you. the brain is mysterious <gasps> thing.
0: Oh my I, I should have sent it to you and said DM. Is it? Does Athena have a quest? Yes, yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to make squirrel quest. Yeah. said, last time I had an albino squirrel, I blew up a Bar. You will say it. it doesn't help that the, the the white squirrel is a wizard who went mad. While okay, so worked. this is in the rebel game. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean like I believe you anyway. <laughs> right. Roll for charisma. All right, you want to
1: roll for focus? <laughs>
0: yeah, roll roll
1: for focus.
0: It's a wisdom. 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 <laughs> oh. wisdom has left the building. Yes, go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> All right, Morsby Hall. Moresby Hall, not Mosby Hall. Oh uh, wait, I know this one. This is cool guy. <laughs> so this is uh to the northwest outside of the town of Whitehaven, overlooking the Irish Sea. Today Moresby Hall is a luxury hotel but it has roots dating back to the twelfth century and some creepy tales back to its earliest days. Yes, we will be booking your room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. During the structural altercations, human remains were uncovered at Morsby Hall. Three skeletons were uncovered under the floor of the main entrance, and the bones of a child were discovered in a chimney. They that's did. never good, but, like, at the same time, uh, that's what no. happens in England. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thought it was usually a cat. Oh, I it's mean, not you but that's for functional reasons. Hmm. We'll
1: we'll we'll get into that actually next week.
0: I guess there's function
1: for certain
0: things. There's means means to hide them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, while well, their identities are enduring mystery, there is another story about the moon remains that may still linger in the walls of Beach today. In the wake of the collapse of the 1715 Jacobite uprising. And it is said yes, that <laughs> one of the supporters arrived at Moresby seeking refuge. While the man was granted entry, it seems that he uh, starved to death while residing there. Instead of burying him or disposing of his body in some other traditional way, the legend is, is that he was walled up in a hidden room and that he has been found to this day. Many yes. believe that these bodies, both the confirmed and the rumored, have fueled the haunting activity at the hall for generations. Some guests complain, blame, not complain, <laughs> claim that you have witnessed the ghost of the hapless Jacobite wandering the corridors of the hotel, while others have cited the specter of a cavalier on the stairs. But he makes some noise. Clank, 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 clank. These entities are far from alone, as further manifestations include a shadowy figure that lurks in the corners, disembodied cries of wailing children heard in the dead of night, and indistinct shapes which slowly drift from room to room. That's called a cat. can't see him. Do you I know that there, that.
1: there are two cats right in the there. frame right now. <laughs> <laughs> One in center. One, two. You can't see him.
0: He's actually just pointing at air. He's tricking me. <laughs> <laughs> One thing is for certain, even if you're only at... The only official guest of Morrisby Hall, you'll never truly be alone at this supernatural hotspot. No, it's very nice.
1: Patrick wants you to some point follow up with the uh, story of your white squirrel wizard.
0: Technically, he's a rainbow squirrel, uh, rainbow wizard, but yeah, he was a white squirrel in disguise. So we hang on no, like there's no technicality there. You just expanded on the wizard, like oh, <laughs> he's a white squirrel, oh, he's <laughs> he <is> a rainbow <laughs> wizard. <laughs> He is a fun, fun guy to play games with. And he always ends up doing something really oh. ridiculous. <laughs> My cat
1: shirt. What?
0: What? What? What?
1: what? <laughs> 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 oh, and then, <and> Alex, mouflage. <laughs> yep, yep. the yeah, those,
0: those lovely glowing. You'll get honey for that one later, Alex, but that is a good one. <laughs>
1: Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. So we're not done. Yeah. There's another one. So Dulston Hall. So this is off to the north between the city of Carlisle and the town of Dulston. Historic Hall turned wedding venue, Dulston Hall.
0: I've noticed something. What's that? For a place that likes to call hallways corridors, they've a lot of halls in England.
1: They do. They yeah, <laughs> halls to our
0: entire building. Yeah. <laughs> just, just <the> <laughs> <of the> building. <laughs> so guys, I have so yeah. <laughs> <gets me> <laughs> oh Oh no, the word choices are fun. Yep. I love the
1: English, they're fun. Yeah. <laughs> so like Levin's Hall, Dalston Hall was originally constructed over 500 years ago as a defensive structure to help prevent, protect against incursions from the nearby Scots to the north. Today, they throw open the doors to everyone, including the Scots, to help couples celebrate their special day. In addition to hosting weddings, Dalston Hall also features 10 guest rooms for those looking for a luxurious historic stay. If you do want to spend the night here, just don't be surprised if you have a brush up against one of Dulston's more permanent resident spirits. As Dulston Hall is re, uh, reputedly one of the most haunted hotels in all of England. Well, a variety of spy, sp- spiders spirits have been encountered here over the years, One of the most frequently cited is known as Lady Jane. Lady Jane is seen wearing a Tudor-style dress and is most often seen in the Baranel Hall, one of the oldest parts of the building. If you find yourself in room four, you may find another lady spirit seated by the fireplace. She is thought to be the unquiet spirit of a maid who fell down the stairs and broke her neck several generations ago. It's in the cellar where things can become a little harrowing. Psychics who have visited Dalton Hall cellar have reported encountering a sinister spirit that they have deemed Mr. Fingernails,
0: Mm -hmm. on account
1: of it having unusually long fingers and fingernails. Sarah, we need to have a manicure session. This non-human creature appears as a black fog with something protruding from its forehead. While it hasn't physically harmed any living person, it does seem to delight in scaring them before gliding away through the walls and floors of this creepy space. That said, not everything feels evil in the cellar. There's also a phantom known as the Handyman. usually seen sporting tweed trousers, Uh, it it is described as an imposing yet friendly presence. The handyman has been known to chip in and help the living workmen who come to the cellar to move things around. The handyman has a particular proficiency for shipping the heavy barrels that are used for storage down there. (laughs) Numerous other spirits have been reported throughout Dalston Hall, including many women who are dressed in attire from a variety of eras. An unsettling one is seen being dragged by her hair through Dalton before being savaged and possibly thrown out a window in the corridor by rooms four, five, and six. Some think that she was possibly a courtesan who was at the hall back in the 1500s. On a slightly brighter note, there are sometimes echoes of a bygone party that are heard and sometimes seen in the Baronel hall. A crowd of people and high-pitched music from a previous era are heard here, and dogs wander amongst the throngs of people searching out whatever scraps that they can steal. A trip to Dulston Hall is rarely disappointing for those with a penchant for the paranormal.
0: <laughs> I don't think I want to go there.
1: Yeah, no, I think
0: I could take a pass on that one myself. But, anyways. I'm so- not sitting in bed because I keep moving the legs. <sighs> So, do, do. Oh, you got it? There. I need to have it. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true.
0: You're being very nerdy in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> that's our kind of people. It's mm-hmm. great. All right, so I we're going to move I over think. to Mayfield and Lou's Cottage. Um, we head back to the central part of England in uh, County Stratashar, where, it, of course, it's not going to be much that makes this village stand out among other villages dotting the English countryside. But Lowe's Cottage is a 200-year-old farmhouse that definitely qualifies as a historic standout uh, in, of course, our world in the United States. But it seamlessly blends into England's historic landscape because they've been around longer. Okay. All right, in 1994, Lowe's Cottage had seen better days. It was in a state of disrepair when Andrew and Josie Smith bought it and moved in with their children, Daniel, Stephen, and Lindsay. Their dream was to renovate it into their forever home. The charming little house was uh, had ha, had no known violent past that they knew of, and the location was peaceful and quiet. The couple looked forward to their new life on the farm, but their plans were about to get upended in the most unexpected and, of course, terrifying way. Anyway. It started with small, inexplicable occurrences. Things would go missing or turn up in places where they had no business being. Uh, Lights would turn on or off by themselves. And unexplainable cold chills would suddenly pass through the rooms out of nowhere. At first, the Smiths tried to, of course, explain these away like can do. But that would change one day when Andrew was in his study and his typewriter suddenly began to vibrate with increasing intensity until it flew clear off the table right before his eyes. Soon afterward, more objects were flying off the shelves in front of the family and other members of the family. A horrible spell started to manifest inside the house from nowhere. Covers would be ripped from the beds when they tried to sleep. Loud music noises blasted through the house, streams mist would materialize and drift from room to room, along with many other terrifying and inexplicable phenomena. Finally, when Josie was in the kitchen one day, the apparition of a young girl in a blue dress appeared in the corner, staring at her. Unfortunately for the Smiths, things were just heating up. Um, the shadows would lurk about in the house and would sometimes even make physical contact with the smiths, hooking, pushing, prodding them, and in one case, lifting up Josie's dress. One evening, <laughs> Josie was terrified to wake up to the sensation of hands around her neck, which tightened their grip on her as if strangling her, even though no one else was in the room with her at the time. And another time, she woke up pinned to the bed by an unseen entity. Andrew had a horrifying experience of his own when he allegedly was suddenly surrounded by a thick fog that made it seem as if he were moving under water. He would claim that he had a sense an evil presence there in the fog with him, and he claims that he had then felt a pressure building up in the house and in his head, reaching an almost unbearable intensity threatening to make him lose consciousness before suddenly stopping as the fog abruptly dissipated as if it had never been there. Alarmed by these increasingly sinister supernatural events, the Smiths asked the previous owners, Mr. Susan Melbourne and Sandra Podmore, uh, about the paranormal activity in the home, only to be told that the structure had no history of such activity. Not fully believing this, the Smiths did their own research, learning back in the 1860s, an upstate named Elaine Herring had been murdered there and stashed in the cellar after her lover, Joseph Phillips, had hung himself in the house in Greece. Thinking that they had found the metaphorical smoking gun, the Smiths brought in Reverend Mockford who would perform five exorcisms at the property and which witnessed much of this paranormal activity himself. Among the various strangeness he experienced, there were walls weeping water, a bright light that filled one of the rooms, and one on one occasion a bowl of holy water filled with a vile-smelling fog. None of the exorcisms work and the Smiths went about making plans to move out. However, the Smiths would have problems selling their home home as the stories of the activity made the realms in the community. No one wanted this problematic paranormal home, and the Smiths reduced the building's selling price by 50,000 pounds. That's a lot. That's a lot of money.
1: Particularly for a relatively small home out in the countryside like that That needs work that needs work
0: a lot of money that's a yeah. lot of money the Smiths tried to recoup this loss by filing a lawsuit against the previous owners for failing to tell them about the history and the paranormal activity there the sisters denied that the house was or had ever been haunted and the case went to court sparking a media frenzy that made national news in the end despite the testimony of the priest and the others who had witnessed paranormal events in the house the judge dismissed the case saying this house is not haunted and it has never been haunted the smith would move out and the house would eventually be bought by in 1999 by a man named tim chilton who would also soon have strange experiences of his own there he said of it during my first night in lowe's cottage i started to have some sympathy for my predecessors my colleague Siam was uneasy entering the house and found it hard to settle Lights switched on and off, and there were sudden changes in temperature, and my TV would turn itself on. There were further incidents. I was visited by reporters who experienced problems with tape recorders or cameras. I remember the agent who had forbidden filming when I first visited when a mysterious patches of glistening moisture started to form on the walls. I recalled the Victor's description of a weeping wall. It felt almost as if the Lowe's cottage had a personality that was testing me in some way. The place seemed capable of changing moods. They had a person uh excuse me. Place seemed capable of changing moods, though I never sensed any malignant entity. Later I got to meet the Smiths and found them to be solid, authentic people. After a while, Science seemed to make peace with the house and the perplexing incident stopped. It's been a happy four years at the cottage before renting it out. Only one of the tenants has reported anything unusual. So what was it that happened at the Lewis Cottage for just a couple of decades? Is the cottage truly haunted? Did the Smiths inadvertently stir up some spirits when they lived there, was subsequently settled down in the years after their departure? We might never know the answers for sure, but we do know whatever happened there drew the rapt attention of the nation and solidified Mayfield's place with, within modern English lore.
1: <laughs> Alex says, uh, is the everything called plumber? <laughs> Right or right or? Good question, and P- Patrick's curious as to whether the exorcism was performed by a priest of the Church of England or a Roman Catholic one, which I don't know. bet uh, probably Church of England. Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways. What year was it? Uh, that was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So pretty like it really could go either. Yeah. In the 90s. Yeah, it, it was uh, very recent, rel- relatively speaking. Because
0: in the 90s, the, the uh, Catholics were sending a lot of priests out to England. Yeah, those Catholics. And now we're on to the place where Chris really wants to go. Yes. Yeah. Where? I Vacation really right.
1: time. This is fantastic.
0: So, moving to the far southwest
1: of England, we will arrive in County Cornwall. Renowned for its beautiful beaches and untamed moors, Cornwall is a land unto itself. At the center of this county is the town of Bodmin, and on the edge of town is the imposing Bodmin Jail. A gray hulk of granite looming over the town, Bodmin Jail has dominated the landscape here since its construction in the 1770s. Constructed by Napoleonic prisoners' war using two, 20,000 tons of granite quarried on Bodmin Moor, it was built with lofty goals as a visionary forward-thinking place. It was the first British prison to hold prisoners in individual cells, thinking that this solitary confinement would provide better opportunities for prisoners to reflect on their crimes and repent. As the years went on, these lofty goals fell by the wayside. In 1869, when the law had changed so that you could no longer be put in prison for being in debt, Bodmin Jail had spare capacity the jail gave a portion of its buildings to the Royal Navy to become a naval prison. During World War I, the prison housed some British treasures, such as the Crown Jewels. In 1923, the last of the civilian prisoners left the building, and the facility completely closed in 1927. In the years since its closure, Bodmin Jail has seen numerous uses as a privately owned structure. At first, it did a stint as a casino in the 1930s but in more recent years, it saw like as a museum. It was open for daytime visits and occasional evening events like ghost walks. Just two years ago, Bodmin Jail was converted into a luxury boutique hotel. More on that in a moment. First, let's be clear that Bodmin Jail, despite its aspirations, was a brutal place to wind up as a prisoner, particularly for the poor. The story of one young boy really drives this point home. At the age of six, he was homeless and living alone on the streets. He begged and stole to survive, but was eventually caught when he was nine years old for stealing a couple pennies worth of ink. He was initially sentenced to death for his crime, but this was commuted to a sentence of life transportation, aka exile, likely to Australia. For those who are not lucky enough to be exiled, they would be treated to scant rations, usually just enough bread, cheese, and water to survive. You would be allowed to bathe once every few months. You would serve hard labor, encouraging you to learn the error of your ways. Interesting method of hard labor at Bodman Jail was a treadmill, which prisoners would walk on to create power for the jail's corn mill. Prisoners would take turns, 15 minutes on the treadmill and 15 minutes picking apart old rope for a total of eight hours a day, six days a week. The treadmill was only abolished in 1898. <clears throat> All this says nothing of the execution.
0: Excuse you. <laughs> you just sliced my hand open and now you're biting my thumb.
1: <laughs> it's his birthday.
0: Yeah, he's allowed. Yeah, I'm going to go take care of this. Okay, Anyways. So... <laughs> Executions. Between 1785 and
1: 1909, 55 people were executed at Bodmin Jail. All but four of the hangings were carried out in public and provided a grisly source of entertainment for thousands of spectators who would congregate in adjoining fields to take in the spectacle. For some perspective, in 1840, as many as 25,000 people came out to witness the double hanging of two brothers. Prior to 1868, a hangman would need to bring his own rope to do the job. After the hanging, the hangman would cut off little bits of rope to sell it as souvenirs. A hangman can make out very well when you add up his souvenir fees and his service fees. All that said, it's a little surprise that the Jail earned a reputation for hauntings after its incarceration days drew to, to a close. The horrors that took place within its walls are difficult to fathom and provided plenty of fuel for supernatural tales. One such spirit is that of Selena Wadge. She was arrested in 1878 for the murder of her youngest son, Harry. She told a constable that she had been urged to murder him by her lover, James Westwood, who had promised to marry her if the boy was out of the way. Westwood strenuously denied this, claiming he had nothing against the boy. At her subsequent trial, the jury found Selena guilty, although they recommended leniency on the grounds that she had taken good care of her children and that, in their opinion, the murder had not been premeditated. But the judge, Justice Denham, disagreed and sentenced her to death. On Thursday, August 15, 1878, a sobbing Selena was led from her cell to the gallows, clutching a white handkerchief. Her last words, Lord, deliver me from this miserable world. And precisely at 8 a.m., the executioner pulled the lever of the trap and sent her plummeting to her death. Her body, still clutching the white handkerchief, was left dangling for an hour before being cut down and buried within the prison grounds. Her ghost, though, still wanders the prison, where she tries to reach out to small children who often inquire about the crying lady in the long dress. Then there's the story of Matthew Weeks, a crippled farmhand who was arrested for the murder of his lover, Charlotte Diamond. Charlotte was rogue tour, one of Bodmin Moore's most striking landmarks, on Sunday, April 14, 1844. Weeks was found guilty of the crime, and he was hanged at Bodmin August, in August <laughs> 1844. 20,000 people turned out to witness his final moments. Matthew's spirit to be restless, restless as numerous people have reported seeing him paced through the jail, pleading his innocence. For her part, Charlotte's ghost, clad in a gown and silk bonnet, is still said to appear at the site of her murder on the anniversary of her death. It may be that she is restless at the thought that her real murderer was not caught. In recent years, hindsight has lent some credibility to Matthew's claims about his innocence. If true, it's hard to fathom what, what, what must have been going through Matthew's mind in his final days. Then there's William Hampton, the last man to be executed at Bodman Jail. Hampton was convicted of murdering his girlfriend, Emily Trada. It's believed that William and Emily became engaged to be married in 1908, but after a few months, Emily had second thoughts and broke off the engagement. William broke into Emily's family home and ended her life. He was convicted in June 1909 and executed a month later. William was one of the few to be executed in the new gallows that were constructed in 1897. Over a century after his execution in 2017, a couple was touring the jail by themselves when they captured the image of a slight figure in a black outfit on camera. The figure's stature and its location in the jail has led many to conclude that it is the lingering spirit of William. These are just a small handful of the many spirits that reportedly wander at Bobman Jail. People have also reported seeing former wardens and prisoner officers. Several guests have been subjected to the terrifying experience of having a cold hand grasp their shoulder in the depths of the dungeon, only to remember that they are quite alone. On the lower levels, very young children have screamed in terror as people have witnessed a faint female figure trying to snatch them away. With all that said, time will tell if the hauntings continue at Bodmin Jail. With the luxurious conversion that it recently received, the building had lost some, but not all, of its foreboding nature. Cramped and dark, dank cells had been opened up to create 70 rooms with soft furnishings, eye-catching lights, and more amenities than a bygone prisoner could even hope to dream of. That said, they did clean up and retain the exposed stone walls as a constant reminder of the building's heritage. You can also enjoy an amazing meal and beverages at the in-house restaurant and bar, a far cry from the stale bread and moldy cheese of just a few generations ago. Not all of the building has received a complete makeover. Parts have been preserved to illustrate the grisly past, and you can request tours of these much less luxurious parts of the building. They have left plenty of dark corners where the resident spirits may still lurk out of sight, but not forgotten. If dark tourism is your thing, Bodmin Jail is a must visit if you find yourself in County Cornwall. I want to go. What? No. What? What?
0: Oh.
1: Go for it. Okay, I keep reading. Got it. Noted. Injury.
0: <laughs> Injury. 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 Okay. Yes. Ensa got the sand. Nico got the sand. Injury. Injury. I, I am not allowed to. Yeah. Notice.
1: All right. So <clears throat> moving on. So what does it take to be named the most haunted village in England? Apparently, twelve ghosts. At least that was enough for the Guinness Book of World Records to bestow this title on the village of Pluckley in <laughs> 1989. Excuse <inaudible> you. Sorry.
0: I was trying to look at the comments so I could respond.
1: Okay. <laughs> so, Village of Pluckley in 1989. Pluckley is situated in County Kent to in the southwest of, Eng, or, southwest of England. Aside from its coast, the area is also known for its idyllic countryside, a landscape, of patchwork of fields, sprawling woodlands, and abundant orchards. This outwardly normal appearance and the way in which the residents carry on with life as usual is very deceiving at a glance. Buckley's paranormal portfolio includes a screening man who is believed to have worked at the village brickworks before falling to his death. While he has never been seen, his terrified cry has sent chills through locals for many years. At St. Nicholas Church, the ghost of the Red Lady Daring has been seen wandering the churchyard and the chapel where she was laid to rest. It is said that the Red, the Red Lady's illegitimate baby died at birth, leaving its grieving mother to die shortly afterwards from a broken heart. The chapel area is the focus for a large amount of paranormal activity, including unexplained knocks, bangs, and a dancing light in the window. The churchyard is also reportedly home to a ghostly white lady and a a phantom white dog. The white lady's ghost is also thought to be a member of the Daring family, as her spirit has also been seen at the library in nearby Surrenden Manor, which the Daring family called home from the mid-1600s through the early 1900s. The local legend is that the woman's beauty was famed throughout the neighborhood, and when she died at a tragically young age, her husband was grief-stricken. He could not bear the thought of her beauty fading in the grave, so he had her body wrapped in a priceless flowing gown. She was placed in an airtight lead coffin with a single red rose laid upon her breast. Inside a further series of airtight lead coffins, she was finally encased in a casket of solid oak and buried in a deep vault in the Daring Chapel. On misty autumn mornings, her spirit manifests in the churchyard as, a be- as beautiful in death as she was in life. Plushed before her, she holds a single red rose. Today, the churchyard is the only place to see her spirit, as her home at Surrendon Manor burned in 1952, leaving only the service wing of the once great house intact. The white lady was last seen in a Manor when it served as the U.S. embassy between the world wars. Then there is the tragic spirit of a teacher. His spirit is seen in his final moments swinging from a tree where he hanged himself in the 1920s. He was found by a group of his students on their way to school, just as people continue to see his spirit today. The reason for his suicide was unknown. Moving to the Black Horse Restaurant a beautiful country pub that was built as a farmhouse in the 1470s. This was first the home of the Daring family before they moved to Surrendon Manor. The black horse has long been reported to to be haunted by a girl who appears in the fireplace, an unseen hand that lifts cutlery from the dresser, and a cold spot in the kitchen. Landlords have complained of glasses on the shelf above the bar moving and dogs barking at something only they can see. That said, if you travel there today, don't expect to get a ghost tour of the place. The newest owners of the Black Horse are seeking to distance themselves from the building's haunted tales. While they're not adamantly opposed to the prospect of the paranormal, they prefer to keep the focus on their food and drink, which, by all accounts, does seem to be top-notch. Buckley's most intriguing ghost story continues, uh, concerns Robert Dubois. A murderous highwayman who frequented the area surprising his victims by using an old hollow, tree, old hollow oak tree at the crossroads, fittingly called Fright Corner. When his victims passed by, he would emerge from the tree and rob them of their possessions. Dubois, however, made the mistake of using this trick once too often. It had become common knowledge in the district that the oak could yield a nasty surprise for the unwary. The one traveler took no chances and ran his sword through the tree when he reached it. Bois was killed in his hiding place. The old oak tree is long gone, but it is said it's that Dubois... <laughs> what? Diving an oak tree is rude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
1: it said that Bois still haunts the crossroads. On Station Road in Pluckley is a property called Graystones, where a monk is said to haunt the ground. <laughs> The monk is said to have lived in Tudor times, and is reputedly uh, uh, repute, uh, ha, had fallen in love with the daughter of a neighboring property, neighboring property owner. Ah. Words are getting difficult.
0: <laughs> Rick, what, is, what is the name? What, what occupation is he? A monk. Oh, I thought you were saying monk. No, he's a monk. monk.
1: <laughs> The affair was discovered by the girl's father, and he forbade his daughter to see her lover again. The lady, so distressed at not being able to be with her lover, drank a poisonous cocktail and died. The monk sat in a state of melancholy and, melancholy, melancholy and bitterness.
0: Melancholy? Yes, yeah, thank you. I got you. Or years not blind, guys. No, it's not. He's not that much.
1: His only solace was to walk the green fields and leafy lanes where they had enjoyed so many romantic interludes together. As the years passed, he sank deeper into depression, pining for his dead lover, and finally died of a broken heart. His ghost, however, continues to wander in the neighborhood to this day. (laughs) L.D. Farm has long been known as the haunted hotel in the area where numerous ghost sightings have been recorded over the years. The oldest part of the farm was built in 1406 and there's also a collection of stables and outbuildings dating from the 16th to the 18th centuries. The most prominent spirit at the farm is that of Edward Brett. He was the farmer here at the turn of the last century. As the story goes, in 1900, he gave his wife 15 shillings and a penny to each of his children. He then whispered to his wife, were, uh, were His last words to his wife were, I will do it. He then walked calmly into the old dairy and committed suicide by shooting himself. Edward Brett reportedly still haunts the premises. Owners of the farm and guests of the hotel have seen his ghost on numerous occasions. Staff and visitors have often reported hearing the words, I will do it, whispered in their ear as well as the sounds of disembodied footsteps and creaking floorboards. This is just a sampling of the ghostly tales to come out of this little haunted corner of England, a beautiful village with a not-so-secret spooky side. So again, that was the village of Pluckley. And that
0: was our last story for this evening. I think it's very impressive that you can say the word Pluckley without melancholy.
1: Melancholy. Melancholy. <laughs> Melancholy. That's <laughs> what it wants to come out of my mouth. I don't know why. Melancholy. Uh, yeah, we do things,
0: guys. We like, do. You so, should check out the stuff that we do. Yes. <laughs> really, uh, our,
1: we do not get quite so tongue-tied uh, giving our – We get on our tours.
0: Most, the on our tours. Most or, of
1: the time. our
0: tours. Most of the Or we just do a reset. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I – I think I put oh, one too many um, multi-syllable words in my edit, and uh,
0: totally doable with English language. Yeah,
1: a, a little. I overdid it on the alliteration. <laughs>
0: uh, oh,
1: but yeah. Well, that uh, that ghost is the ultimate enabler. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> Just wonder if the spirit used it, do it for good or for evil. <laughs> So, anyways, yes, that was, again, last story was night. We wanted to have any trims and stuff because, well, England is just super haunted. And uh, as we uh, alluded to at the beginning of the show, we didn't even touch on the city of York, which is ridiculous. ridiculously haunted in its own right and will probably at some point in the not too distant future
0: york. it'll
1: be a haunted york it'll get its own own show similar to uh last year we did the uh, the, the ghosts of uh, victoria british columbia yep. which seems kind of a little out of place but victoria british columbia is it's a very haunted, extremely haunted city so um yeah york will uh, get that treatment at some point
0: that's good. As yeah. long as we talk about the ghost shop that's there as well. Have to well, do well that. we will have yeah, to. We have the ghost merchants. They're yeah. pretty cool.
1: Yeah, we will absolutely have to do that.
0: They do have a, a raffle going right now for a copper-plated ghost.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: They're pretty cool. I like them.
1: Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what the place was called?
0: Yeah, York Ghost Merchants.
1: York Ghost Merchants. Mm-hmm. We will have to check that out. Have to check that out. There
0: is ah, a two-hour sorry. long line.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's quite the line.
0: They only let eight people in at a time. It's pretty cool, though. Um, Ever done sort of. The
1: Ghost of the Six Wives of Henry VIII?
0: Yes, we yeah. have done Anne Boleyn.
1: Anne Boleyn, yes. Anne Boleyn
0: was on, what, like a couple of shows. She was on Death yeah. Carriages, mm-hmm. Death Coaches. Death Coaches. Because it was well, the, when we were talking about Death Coaches.
1: Was that a part of the London transportation? Mm, I don't or was that, was that the palaces?
0: I think it might have been another one.
1: Okay. We'll have to look that up, but.
0: Uh, I, sir, you have already drawn blood from that hand. Sir. It's his hand. It's his birthday. Right. <laughs> this is not a toy.
1: He thinks it is. The boys this are.
0: This is a toy. Oh, <laughs> that was he a one So we
1: got
0: Star Wars trivia.
1: Yes, Star Wars trivia on um, um, this Thursday at Rich Brow again. Yes. And, cover charge, but uh, that's at 630. So if you want to participate, go ahead check in. Uh, no cover charge. So go ahead, have yourself a beer. And the top uh, finishing few teams uh, actually get prizes. So, yeah, go check that out. That is going to be fun.
0: While we're on the subject of Star Wars, I'll just, I'll just shamelessly plug the store that I work in. We awesome. work at I work in an all-Star Wars store in Regency Square Mall. We're on the top floor. If you hit the comic book store, you've gone too far. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yep, yeah, we have actually yet to still go. I, I know. We need to. We need to. <laughs> um, We're open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, the hours are on our Facebook. <laughs> um, Good deal. So awesome. We'll have tours Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of this week. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And then we've got the Libby Market Spring Festival. Yeah. Le- Libby Hill the Spring, Spring Fest on yeah. um, the 13th. And, uh, oh, can't forget, we have... Uh, we're going to be back next Monday. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, it's not a two-week break. We're back this next following Monday because then after that, it's going to be a three-week break. So. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about Norway. Right? Haunted Norway. Yeah. Yes. And I, let me tell you, uh, I'm still working on the edits, but it is going to be a good episode. Norwegians have some They do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of the things that is definitely not necessarily at the forefront of what people think about when they think about Norway. I mean,
0: I do, but that's
1: the type of literature from Norway that, yeah, (laughs) you know, know, people know that today, like, people know them, of course, Vikings, you know, people know Vikings, it's just, it's Norway, Vikings, they go hand in hand, so there's that, Um, people know them as a, like, a modern oil powerhouse, they they produce a ton of oil, um, kind of a a social, they they got the the socialist democracy, you know, good social safety net, all that good stuff, a couple other things, but, um, and, and you know, there's, there's certainly Norse mythology. You know, everybody knows Thor and Zeus and stuff like that. Or not Zeus. Not um, Zeus. Zeus oh,
0: oh, not Odin. Odin. I've had too much to drink. I'm going to stop talking. You talk. Loki, Thor, and Odin and Freya.
1: Yeah. Sorry,
0: everybody. <laughs> but, yes, all of
1: them. Um, but, yeah, so they, they know that, but actual, like, ghost stories. Mm-hmm. That, that's.
0: Yeah. yeah, I found some interesting ones. Yeah.
1: So. so but let's see, a
0: couple other comments. And at the end of the month, we're also doing Hanukkah Japan. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's going to be, I guess,
0: four weeks from now? Yeah, it's going to be the very end of the month. Are you yep. using my notes?
1: What? We need, Um, did you use?
0: Uh-uh. No? No, that's part of editing.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Anyways. Awesome.
1: Uh, Yes, and, uh, oh, and thanks, Mom. Um, answered a question. That, uh, mom, mom answered a question that uh, Alex had about uh, Yorktown. Um, Yorktown probably does have enough ghost stories for us to actually do. As, yeah, the historic the, triangle. The triangle
0: haunted, guys. They're ghosts yeah. there. Mm-hmm.
1: It goes everywhere. Yeah, but yes. Yeah, so yeah, all kinds of haunted stuff just down the road, and yes, our vampire kitty here.
0: Trying to give him some chicken. <laughs> He's offended it's, by the chicken. It's not, it's not real chicken. It's like, not a real chicken. And Vince is trained. Now that he sliced and diced me. He got his butt. Yeah, this one got me on this hand earlier. Today. Norwegian Lutheran minister. That must be really neat. Wait, what? Um, a, Patrick, a dude that goes to my church grew up near Norway. He said his uncle was a Lutheran minister. Gifted him an imp that has looked over his family for generations. This pretty cool. 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 Nor Norwegian mytho- mythology, like Norwegian history and all that stuff, uh, the culture is like super duper cool. I okay. study I like 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 my major is gonna be medieval literature but focusing on uh Norwegian and Icelandic literature. Um they got cool stuff over there. Mm. I like those people, and Norwegians are super fun too. So fun. I love the fact that we're going to be there on their national day. Yes, you are. Yeah. you are. Um, and that's going to be sick. Wait, when are you going? Wait. We're leave next Wednesday. Next Wednesday?
1: We 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 make. make yeah. We make landfall a week, two weeks from tomorrow.
0: Mm-hmm. So. So.
1: And. Uh, so there was another question here oh what spirits are we inviting in so i have a a porter seems to be appropriate for england the english love their porters now it is uh, a porter from hardywood here in town so it's the gingerbread <laughs> it's porter but it's a porter i had uh, i had considered going and actually getting an english beer at the grocery store but just never got around to it
0: yeah. so i was drinking tea all night
1: you were drinking, which is also awesome.
0: Appropriately English. <laughs> appropriately English. Um, also actually it looks like we're opening for May the fourth at the Star Wars store. Um we might be doing a promotion as well, so if you wanna Patrick if you wanna check out the website or the the Facebook, definitely mm-hmm. look at that. Yeah.
1: Yes, the infamous gingerbread beer. Uh yeah. It keeps very well. So. Yes.
0: Yeah. It ages well.
1: But yeah. So. So all kinds of good stuff going on, but yeah, we're looking forward to being back uh, just a week from today. Yep. And uh, yeah. So yeah, again, in the meantime, you know, May the Fourth be with you. Um, you got it's the. That is
0: on theme. That is on theme. Yeah. According to Alex. <laughs> I'm all Hogwarts right now. Mm. Hi. Hi. I'm not. I I have Shakespeare on here. No, you can see me. You don't know. I am dressed up like an English person. Yes, yes you are. Actually though no, that is generally my vibe apparently.
1: Yes. You know we don't intentionally leave you off camera. We we you could be on camera if you were so inclined. Um, I'm not
0: good at camera. Oh, okay. There we go. Noted. So but all right.
1: Oh Star Wars. School. Merchant Square? No. No, um, uh,
0: region, Regency where? Square. I saw it on camera. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so not Williamsburg,
1: The, the Regency Square Mall on um, mm-hmm. uh, um, Parham Road on uh, West Henrico. Yeah,
0: the mall that everyone thinks is dead but somehow isn't.
1: Yeah. And, There's
0: also a cereal store there now. Yep. And a uh, pancake store. Yeah. Um,
1: they're focusing, they're doing more to focus on experiences and yeah. niche stuff. Yeah to uh, try to draw people back in and get the, them all some, some life. Uh, some Let me luck. tell you, it work. Mm-hmm.
0: Guys, It works. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So, all right. Uh, so yeah, let's see. We will go ahead. We'll sign off for this evening. Mm-hmm. We will bid you all a good night. Thank you for tuning in.
0: And
1: if you have any questions, just keep dropping them in the chat. We'll, we can still come back and, and get to them. But thanks for watching and hope to see you all again next week. In the meantime, good news, bye.